Keystone Sports Network. Hello and welcome to the obligatory Keystone Crossover Show. I'm Jim Galani along with Chris Bucanani. Chris, as always, it's fantastic to talk Penn State football with you. It sure is getting closer and closer to Blue White Saturday, Jim. And boy, let me tell you, we thought I was going to get some blowback from the fan base on ranking the 2013 Michigan game eighth. And I did. I definitely heard about it from a few folks. No less an authority on Penn State than our own Alumni Association CEO, Paul Clifford, has been haranguing me relentlessly over the last few days. But I'm sticking by it. I am not giving an inch, Jim. You know what, Paul? If you've got a different opinion, you could come on. We'll get your ranking, all right? We'll give you your chance. So before you throw stones at somebody else, let's hear your list. Right, Chris? That's the way you do it here. Open invitation, Paulie C. Anytime. Anytime you want to step into the ring, buddy. All the glory goes to the man in the arena, Chris. And that today is you. As always, of course, we're combining the Keystone Sports Network and the obligatory Penn State podcast, and that's how we come up with the obligatory Keystone crossover. And what... Chris is referring to as last week. We had a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, Chris. And by the way, the feedback that I got from um, our listeners, they really enjoyed the show. This was kind of an offshoot of a series that I'm doing with Dustin, where we're going through the history of Penn State football through the decades. We've had a lot of fun with that, and I've even had listeners send me some of their memories, which is great. If you you want to do that, please send those to me. Um, I love to interact with the listeners. So that led to me last week asking Chris, share with me your best memories. And as always, Chris does his homework. He doesn't take this lightly. Went and made this great list. Ten, ten moments in his personal history of seeing Penn State football. This week, I had a new challenge for him. A little bit similar asking him to reach back in his memory bank and come up with his favorite Penn State football players. This is different than the best ones, Chris. This is your favorite, and who knows why. From the time we were little kids, for some reason we identify with specific players or they just their style of play, there is something about them that makes them special. On our show, we've often used the reference, we have a man crush on certain players. And it continues to this. I'm 62 years old, Chris, and I still have man crushes on certain players. The current team. I love Daquan Hardy. Love him. Yeah. I don't know why. You know, maybe it's I like the little guy who's able to compete against the bigger guys. But I'm a huge Daquan Hardy fan. Anyway, with all that said... I challenged you to come up with your 10 favorite players through the years, and you told me you made a list of 10, correct? Yes. So here's the way we're going to do this. I'm going to stick with the general parameters I had for last week's show. So I'm going to start from my freshman year, 1997, and move on. So these were all players who I had the pleasure of being able to watch live. There are all kinds of players prior to that. I'll shout out just a few uh, who I, I think are, are great players, but before that time, I mean, guys like uh, Ray Isom, Andre Collins, Kim Herring, um, uh, uh, Brian Miller, 
Brandon Noble. All all, all uh, Penn Staters uh, who <laughs> you preceded. Better say, you better say Brandon yeah. Noble. No, you know, I, I, in all truth, I, I was I really did like watching Brandon play um, in college, and it was happy for him that he made the league, but disappointed that he played for two teams in the NFC East. So I could never really root for him, but. I, you know, tons of players I could mention. One of the things as I was looking at this, even just like you said, not doing best players but favorite players, I could make amazing top ten lists at every single position on the team. We have just been so blessed as Penn State football fans to be able to watch so many great players over the years. But I've got my ten guys starting in 97. I'm going to present them in chronological order from farthest in the past to most recent and again, the standard is players who I loved watching. And I left a ton of players off the list, so it's no reflection if their names aren't mentioned. And again, before I get into it, uh, one other thing I do want to throw out there is they're going to be skill position guys. And I don't want to leave the offensive linemen out to dry, so I'm just going to throw off five names of guys who I really enjoyed watching on the offensive line over the years. Uh, I got three centers on here, actually, all of whom stepped up and played really well in challenging circumstances, and those are Joe Iorio, a four-year starter at center, had to step in uh, when Frank Spano quit the team midway through the 2000 season. So as a freshman playing in that role, that's a pretty, you know, pretty tall task to be a starting freshman in the Big Ten, and he comported himself very well. Uh, Matt Stankevich, who anchored the 2012 offensive line. We always remember how important that team was. They were my number one moment against Wisconsin. So love what Stank did in a tough situation on one of our most important teams. And Brian Gaia, who was a late take as a defensive line recruit a converted lineman who really struggled making the transition from defensive line to offensive line. And as a senior was the starting center on our big 10 championship team in 2016. So credit to those three guys and two other guards. I loved watching just cause they were tough as nails and really tough are rich Ornberger and John Urschel. And we all know what Urschel has done with his career post football and Rich Ornberger played several years in the NFL, took on Tom Brady in a beer chugging contest when he was with the New England Patriots, and now is living the good life out on the West Coast as a radio talk show host in San Diego. And and from what I'm told by by Noble and, and Goon, one of the funniest human beings alive. So those five O linemen I wanted to shout out. And my first player we mentioned last week, going back to my freshman year, is Aaron Harris. This guy, I think, is one of the most probably underappreciated Penn State running backs for a couple of reasons. He played contemporaneous to Curtis Enos, who is another one of the great all-time tailbacks at Penn State. He got injured uh, in the homecoming game in 97 when Penn State was playing Minnesota and was never quite the same player on the other side of that injury. with ACL tear and the... Medical science to repair that injury is just not what it was today or what it is today. But, man, you want to talk about the total package. Vision, footwork, size, speed, agility, blocking, and leadership. All of those things wrapped into one player. That was Aaron Harris. Number 25 was like the ball-carrying fullback in the backfield with Curtis Enos. Love that dude. I just want to interrupt your list for a second 
Aaron Harris is also on my list. Awesome. I will call him maybe the toughest running back I've seen at Penn State. What a shame that he had that knee injury. Loved Aaron Harris. Loved him. And Go like ahead. Curtis, he could, he could beat you with going. power and he could beat you with speed. He yes. could stiff arm you or yep. run you over, but he could also juke you out of your drawers and then turn on the Jets. So amazing that we had those two guys together in the same backfield. It was such a pleasure to be able to watch them work together. And that hit its pinnacle in that 97 Ohio State game I talked about last week. So Great choice. Mo- Great pick, Chris. Moving right along, it's been several years at Penn State since we have really had a game-changing ed- edge rusher. And one guy who I will never forget, having had the opportunity to watch play, is Courtney Brown. I put that guy's college career up against the very best defensive ends in the history of the sport. Now, he was a number one overall pick, unfortunately for him and unfortunately for Browns fans with the cursed franchise in Cleveland. And his pro career never panned out in terms of the potential he appeared to have coming in. But watching Courtney Brown absolutely wreck games during the 98 and 99 seasons is one of my all-time most pleasurable experiences as a Penn State football fan. That guy was one of the most disruptive, instinctive defenders I have ever seen. Not only wear the blue and white, but play college football, period. And he played alongside LeVar Arrington, two guys who you had to try to game plan for every single week. And I remember his dominant Outback Bowl versus Kentucky at to end the 98 season when, when Penn State took on Tim Couch. And then his game in West Lafayette against a very good Drew Brees-led Purdue team that went back and forth, really exciting game. Courtney Brown not only pressuring Brees and changing the game as a pass rusher, but also forced a fumble, picked it up, and scored. So actually put points on the board in that game, as did LeVar Arrington. So really, really just a true pleasure to watch that dude play. Another great choice, and especially I, I would have combined those two, okay? And I'm I, I kind of did. One from my list yeah. where, where I did the combo when I was in school, it was Bruce Clark and Matt Millen together. And mm-hmm. I would make them a combo pick. I'm going to allow you to make this one a combo pick. Nice. Because it was Courtney Brown and LeVar Arrington. I'll let you get away with that. All right. How about number eight? So moving right along, I'm going to go uh, back to the running back position, and I'm going to choose Larry Johnson. Uh, probably a guy who's on a lot of folks' lists, especially if you were in school around that time, just for sheer dominance. That season, his senior year, 2002, where he gained over 2,000 yards, he, Jim, had Joe not sat him down in the second half of a couple of laughers against Michigan State and Northwestern and Indiana, I truly believe he could have had damn near 3,000 yards on the year. And he was the first, I believe the first running back to gain 2,000 yards in a season and not win the Heisman Trophy. There might have been one other prior to him. I'm not totally positive, but if he wasn't the first, he was the second. And Carson Palmer won it that year, which I think was kind of ridiculous. And frankly, 
Brad Banks, the quarterback at Iowa, maybe had a better shot and I think finished a little bit ahead of Larry in the voting. So it was a crowded field, which was tough for him. But he was enjoyable to watch throughout his entire Penn State career, going all the way back to that 99 season with Courtney Brown, where they had to get him on the field as a freshman, as a kick returner in the running back rotation. And he, I think, was frustrated at times because he had to split carries with Omar Easy and, and Eric McCoo. And eventually, when he had that chance, his final year of eligibility, to take the starter's role and, and run with it, literally, we got a 2,000-yard season that in the midst of a, a little bit of a dry spell for the program was really one of the superlative individual campaigns from any Nittany Lion ever. So Larry Johnson is, is number eight on my list. You know, when again, chronological watch, order. Like, I'm not ranking these guys. No particular okay. order other than yep, chronological. I, I shouldn't have put. I shouldn't have said number eight. No, you're good. Just third on the list. Yeah. But you know when you watch like little league football, whatever they call it, right? When there's that kid who matured before everybody else, so he was the biggest, strongest, fastest kid. You just hand him the ball and let him go. And he, it felt like he was going to score a touchdown no matter where you handed him the ball. That was Larry Johnson's 2002 season. And it's funny, for some reason, and I haven't gone back and looked at the statistics for it, but it just seemed like Michigan State that you mentioned. That's the game in my head that it just felt like he was running wild. Great choice again, Chris. All right. Who do you have next? Also, shout out to Kansas City Chief Larry Johnson for helping win me a fantasy football championship back in the day. It was the, it was the bell cow of, uh, of my championship team. So next player, and this guy, if I was going to rank them, Jim, the next couple of players would be one, two, and three in some order. There is a famous picture from the 2005 season with the three captains of that team walking out of the tunnel together. And they're going to be my next three picks, and I'm going to start with the quarterback of that team, Michael Robinson, absolutely the greatest leader I have ever seen put on the blue and white. Exciting, resilient, so easy to root for, and and just inspiring to watch play and, and to just sense the impact he was having on his entire team. M. Rob might be my favorite Nittany Lion of all time. And on top of all that, if you look at his career and the way they moved him around from spot to spot to spot, unfortunately because the team stunk so bad in 2003 and 2004, the guy who would go on to be our Big Ten champion starting quarterback was two years prior our most effective tailback and a year later our most effective wide receiver. So the, the versatility, the willingness to stick it out, and again, the leadership and what he brought, his love for Penn State and for Joe and for his teammates and what they did as a group to bring Penn State football back and, and resuscitate Joe's career when it looked like it was on life support, like, man, it, it's never going to get any better than that for me. I love that you have Michael Robinson. I have him down on my list also because he was a guy – he would will your team to victory. Mm-hmm. Just his personal drive, and was he not the quarterback for that Michigan game with the extra two seconds where yes. prior to Michigan scoring, 
He I wish he'd stop bringing that up, but okay. He did. Into the end zone. And if the game had ended differently, if it, we would still be remembering that drive. We'd be calling that the drive. And it was Michael Robinson willing that team into the end zone. Um, I, I loved it. Uh, Michael Robinson, great pick, Chris. Not a good pick, a great one. That's an excellent point, too, a testament to the arbitrary cruelty of this thing we call college football, that nobody remembers that drive. But I'm glad you brought that up, even though I'm not thrilled that for the second week in a row we're talking about (laughs) that two seconds added to the clock Michigan game. But anyway, moving on, we're going to stick with that team and the captains. Another guy, just one of my all-time favorites, Jim. I get excited just talking about watching this guy play football for Penn State is Alan Zemitis. Again, you want to talk about toughness embodied? Not only was he a hell of a skilled defensive back, probably the best corner I have gotten to personally watch play for Penn State, but if you remember any of his backstory, he survived and persevered through a very, very bad car accident. I mean, a life-threatening situation where midway through his college career, he had everything that he thought was laid out in front of him completely disrupted by one of those life-altering moments. And, you know, he fought his way back, and he ended up being one of the leaders of that 2005 Big Ten champion team and along the way just authored some of the greatest individual defensive highlight plays of the decade for Penn State. And it was just, I mean, always there, always making plays turning the ball over, breaking up passes, making tough tackles. To me, it, it, it does not get any better than AZ when it comes to toughness and leadership on the defensive side of the football, and I'm thrilled that he's back with the program now. That is a Penn Stater through and through. Man, what a, what another great pick, Chris. I'm, I'm loving all every choice you've made has been a good one. I, I'm not going to argue any of them so far. Don't screw it up now. You're halfway through. Don't mess up because you did great with your first five. By the way, Cliffy blames you for the whole uh, 2013 team being number eight. He goes, Jim's your hype man or something. He's just hyping up every pick you make. I told him, I said, the man has good taste. He's intelligent and he's discerning. We don't work that out prior. We, he, you don't even know who's on this list, and you're going to love the next pick, I promise you. You know, the the photos with the bloody bridge of the nose, wearing number 31 to honor the legacy of Shane Conlon, Western Pennsylvania guy who looks like he could have played for this program in any era, Paul Puzlesny. That picture of these three guys, of Michael Robinson, Alan Zemitis, and Paul Puzlesny, the first junior captain under Joe Paterno since all the way back to Steve Smear and Mike Reed, that era, those undefeated teams of the late 1960s, again, you want to talk about the Penn State football ethos, the identity of linebacker you personified, toughness, instincts, hard hitter, leader, smart, does it right on and off the field, great in the classroom. Puzz was the total, total package. It was only appropriate that Penn State football came back led by a dude who was an absolute throwback to the areas of football that made this program relevant and great. So Puzz is the dude. 
it is a mano a mano competition in my mind between him and his teammate and fellow captain M Rob for my all time favorite Nittany Lion. I can't believe I was lucky enough to get to watch all those guys play and the fact that they all played together on the same team in the midst of an unforgettable season. The best. The best. It's it's great. Why would you want to be anything other than a Penn State football fan, Jim? There's so many high highs and just enough soul-crushing lows to keep you humble and, 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 remember, and remind you about the, the fragility of life, right? And you know what, Chris? What I love as you're – as soon as you said the blood on the bridge of the nose – I'm I'm over here cheering, okay? We're on a video call, so you can see me celebrating that pick. And what I love is you, you referenced Shane Conlon. I'm old enough. Shane Conlon's on my list, okay? Nice. So those linebackers. And so far, what I love about these picks, and we're through six of them, the word toughness could be the first word you use to describe each one of them. Yep. Love that, Chris. Love it. You got four more to go. Let's hear them. So I'm going to stick with toughness, Jim, but so far in Aaron Harris, Courtney Brown, Larry Johnson, M-Rob, AZ, and Puzlesny, I have big tough guys. This is one of the yes. slightest Nittany Lions of all time, but tough as nails, and I, I'm a state college guy through and through, Jim, so I couldn't make a list without including a little lion. I'm going to stick uh, with the 05 season and mention a gray shirt freshman from that year, Jordan Norwood, the wide receiver. From the beginning of his career up through the end, he was an impact player who just made big play, clutch play, clutch play after clutch play. When Derek Williams got hurt out in Ann Arbor, their rookie year, freshman year, and Penn State needed somebody to step into the void and replace the production they had been getting from D-Will at wide receiver, I think people forget how absolutely crucial Jordan Norwood was to keeping that offense humming. Now, Ethan Kilmer was a big part of that too, but freshman Jordan Norwood stepped in and made a lot of big catches down the stretch at Michigan State to seal the conference title in the Orange Bowl against Florida State from day one. Jordan Norwood was making big plays for Penn State. He won a Pennsylvania State basketball championship when he was at State High. So he was a very versatile athlete. And Jay Paterno himself told me that it was Norwood's basketball tape that made his dad decide that they were going to offer the scholarship to him. And he just continued to produce every year after that. You know, I think a lot of people remember his, like, Neo in the Matrix touchdown catch versus Buffalo in the 2007 season. And then he was a huge part of one of our most potent offenses ever when we won the Big Ten title in 2008. So so Jordan Norwood is the next guy I absolutely loved watching and rooting for. War number 24, which is another one of those Penn State numbers with a lot of history behind it added to that history himself and then went on to have a very nice pro career and still holds the record for longest punt return in the Super Bowl. So Jordan Norwood, my next guy. Another great pick. Talking about undersized receivers, though, I had Deion Butler as a guy I really I, I very easily could have sw- swapped Butler out for Norwood. Again, there was a toughness there. Not the biggest guys in the world, but – Great picks. All right, you've got three more to go, Chris. Next up, up, the good work. Chronologically crossing over with Jordan Norwood is the captain himself, DC-17, Daryl Clark. And again, just because of the combination of 
explosive playmaking ability, talent, and leadership. If you were in Happy Valley during the 08 and 09 seasons when Daryl Clark was leading the Penn State offense, you knew there was just something infectious about his personality and the way he played the game that made you want to root for him. And, uh, you know, I, I think to this day, he is among a lot of fans' all-time favorite players because of that. I'm definitely one of them. I actually saw him going into the Auburn game this past season. I yelled out. I was like, DC! Dapped him up and looked at my wife, and I was like, we're winning this one. I don't care how we're going to do it. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're getting the dub. If Captain Clark's in the building, Penn State ain't losing. So, yeah, love Daryl Clark. And what's great about that pick at quarterback, again, this isn't a guy who was going to go light it up in the NFL, but he's a guy who found ways to win for you. Another tough guy. As as I was thinking about Michael Robinson, I also thought about Clark also because he was one of my favorites too, Chris. Another very good pick. You've got two more left. I am disgusting myself, frankly, with the number of quarterbacks on this list. Like, there should be more defensive <laughs> players on this list, frankly. I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to preempt Paul Clifford and criticize my own list as I am delivering it. I cannot <laughs> believe the number of quarterbacks. But the next guy is McMoxie, man. Like, how can Ooh. you not include Matt McGloin, and not just for the 2012 season, although that was incredible. I mean, the, the, the leadership... The, the zero Fs given attitude, the discount double check as he scored the slowest rushing touchdown in the history of Beaver Stadium, other than maybe John Sackers against Cincinnati in 91. I, the whole thing was great. But I even go back to him throwing a touchdown pass on his first drive coming in in relief in 2010 out at Minnesota. And the explosive offensive performances against Michigan and Northwestern in the two following weeks in back-to-back games at Beaver Stadium. I talked about that Northwestern game as Joe's 400th win last week. There were a lot of moments that Matt McGloin gave us to root for and remember that guy, the walk-on from Scranton who did not get a single FBS scholarship offer and worked his way up to a record-setting starting quarterback at Penn State who just happened to be one of the senior leaders of maybe the most important college football team, not just at this university, but maybe anywhere ever. And then through sheer guts and moxie and, and you know, a, a lot more talent than the scouts when he was a high school senior gave him credit for, carves out a nice little NFL career for himself. So I really, I'm just practically impossible to make a list of favorite Penn State players to have watched since the late 90s and not put Matt McGloin on the list so a quarterback it sucks I hate it but I can't leave Moxie off the list I'll tell you what that's that's a great pick but just like I gave you a comparable for Jordan Norwood Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a comparable for Matt McGloin he was a a Moxie guy before Matt McGloin brought that term to Penn State fans. I love it. And that's Zach Mills. Nice. Zach Mills. Mm -hmm. He was a quarterback with – he didn't have the biggest arm in the world to begin with, but he was knocked around so much. He played on guts more often than not. 
and he can make things happen. And it was unfortunate that he was so banged up. I think it was also his shoulder. But he was another guy like McGloin, and he he did it in a much different way than Michael Robinson, but he could also will his team to victory. And I was a big Zach Mills guy. Really liked him too, Chris. I think he was a bit of Matt McCoy before Matt McCoy. Yep. Love Mills. I'll buy that. And I, to to my everlasting disgust and shame, not only am I going to finish up with two quarterbacks, I'm going to finish up with three. I, I went back and forth on this, and I'm like, who deserves to be the most recent player on this list? And I can't not talk about Trace McSorley and what a warrior that guy was. Do you know, Jim, the two images that will stick with me forever that are are just seared in my memory that to me define Trace McSorley are not any of the big plays he made, although there were plenty of those, not any of the wins he got, but Trace McSorley as a young, wet-behind-the-ears starter in his second start ever against Pitt out at Heinz Field in a heartbreaking loss for the Nittany Lions – gets caught on camera putting his arm around uh, just a weeping, emotionally devastated Deshaun Hamilton, who knows he just dropped the game-winning touchdown pass. He had it in his hands, and he dropped it. And I looked at that image on my TV screen, and, and the way like he had come to his quarterback to be consoled. And that guy who should have been hailed by a, as a hero and had instead had to try to force a pass into the corner of the end zone and had it picked off. The way he was there for his teammate, I said at the time, this guy is going to be okay. We are going to be okay. We, we've got a leader at the quarterback spot. And, man, he justified that faith I had in him. And then the last image I'll have to contrast with that – we had a, a photographer working for us at uh, happyvalley.com. He now runs the Penn State football letter, the third person to do so. Shout out to John Petishnock. John captured this image of Trace McSorley walking off the field after the 2018 Michigan State game and kind of head down, beat up. That had been a tough season. He had played through a lot of injuries. Jersey was all muddy and scuffed up. And he caught this image of him walking back towards the tunnel, carrying his helmet, head down, uniform all dirty, and that was it. That was the last he had given as a regular season starter for the Nittany Lions after everything he had done for this program. And again, I looked at that picture and I said to myself, that is the image of an unbowed, unbroken warrior. And those are the two ways I am always going to remember Trace McSorley. And then, of course, there's a wheel route touchdown to Saquon Barkley in the Big Ten championship game. The superlative performance on third downs against Washington in the Fiesta Bowl. A, a play that a lot of people don't talk about enough, in my opinion. The game-saving scramble to set Penn State up with field goal makeable field goal position to end regulation against Minnesota in 2016, without which... None of that magical season unfolds. We don't talk about the 2016 Ohio State game in the same way. If Trace McSorley doesn't have the field vision to see there's an opening there and get every last yard that he needed to put us in position to make that field goal. So, again, I hate picking quarterbacks, man, but, I, you know, 
I, I, I just go where the spirit moves me, and I, I can't not mention Trace McSorley as, as one of my all-time favorite Nittany Lions to watch. So there's my list. Again, a fantastic pick. And if Paul Clifford has any problem with this list, Chris, there's something wrong with Paul, okay? Paul, you want to defend it? Again, come on the air and defend it. Bring it on, brother. Fantastic picks. I, I love the Trace McSorley pick, and also with Trace McSorley, I'll call him a winner. You saw all the things he did in high school, where I think he went to the state championship game four times, won three out of four. The guy wins games. And to be a winner, that's a tough guy who finds a way, I'll use the same expression, he will will his team to victory. So great pick. I'm going to throw in a couple more names that I had on my list. A lot of them I interspersed as you were going through your list, Chris. And I could go all the way back to my when I was a little kid and I was reminded when we were doing the episode on the decade of the 60s, there was a player on that team by the name of Mike Reed. And if you never saw him play, find highlights somewhere. But I think this might have been the coolest thing about him. If you Google Mike Reed, who was an All-American football player, you Google him, you know what you'll find, Chris? His music Mike career. Reed, musician, mm-hmm. exactly. To me, that kind of personified what Penn State was all about. You were more than just a football player. So I'll go Mike Reed. Um, I mentioned a little bit this name or these two names, Bruce Clark and Matt Millen. I was in school when they played, and typically as a fan – You're most excited when your team has the ball, of course. That's what you want to see. On those teams, no. We couldn't wait to watch them play defense because of those two players. Incredible. Um, I'm going to give you a couple names that are, they're big names, but they're just, they struck me. One, another one was the running back, Kurt Warner, who in this long history of great running backs, I think he gets forgotten a lot. And, the impression I have of Kurt Warner was actually playing pickup basketball with him at one of the gyms. And a wonderful athlete, obviously. But what a nice guy, too. He really was. In just that one game, pickup basketball, you can kind of get the nature of people. Wonderful guy. And sticking with the running backs, I'm going to throw one more in Kajana Carter. What a special player on such a special team in 94. Just incredible player. Another guy I've gotten uh, the opportunity to meet, meet him and chat with him a little bit. Again, a real nice guy. And I'll give up, since you're naming quarterbacks, I'm going to throw one out to you. Rashard Casey. Mm. And what I liked... I think he was the first Penn State quarterback that I will recall using the expression dynamic. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't say that about Chuck Burkhardt or John Schaefer, but you did about Rashard Casey. That was very exciting to me. Little too too young (laughs) for Richie Lucas and Shorty Miller, Jim. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yes. Like I said, my first memory is the late 60s. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you one last name. Kind of, maybe you'll 
think of this as out of nowhere, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. Do you remember James Boyd, the oh, defensive back? You, do you know what? I When I was talking about Larry Johnson, I did almost just throw a shout to James Boyd because that guy, man, he hit a load. He was a lot of fun to watch. Exactly. When he hit somebody, they stayed hit, if you know what I mean. He really, really brought it. And as, as a fan watching that, he's the guy when he tackles someone, there was an, ooh, you know, you reacted to that hit. So I, I loved watching James Boyd play. So th- those were just a couple more names that I had on my list, Chris. Again, another fantastic list, fantastic group. Once more, I'll give you the last word as the wrap-up of your favorite player group. Well, I guess I will wrap up by saying I would encourage all of y'all listening as Blue White Weekend is coming up. Call up some of your old college buddies. Get together with some fellow Penn State fans. If you can, plan a trip up here to Happy Valley. We would love to have you back up here spending your money over the first actual Blue White Weekend in three years. And as you're working the email chains or talking on Facebook or on the phone or carpooling up together... Make your own lists. It's fun as hell, man. I had so much fun these last two weeks, Jim, thinking about these past games and these past players. I could make this list probably 10 more times and come up with a total of 100 different players and quote you chapter and verse about how great it was to watch them. And so, you know, do it with your friends and share your lists with Jim. And the best way to do that is by downloading the Keystone Sports app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Just search Keystone Sports. Definitely, definitely do that. And if you want to send me your list, please do it. Anyone who reaches out to me, Chris, I always get back to them. And by the way, you hinted at this idea, and I'm sure we're going to have to do this through the summer at some point. We should do this by position, okay? Because we have, there's so many great players that you and I have seen over the years. We can make a similar list, I think, for every position. So we're going to do that at some point during the summer. And again, we'll ask fans to send in their list. Go ahead. Yeah, let me just throw out one crazy tease on this I always bring up. If you made a list of the top 10 tailbacks to play for the Penn State Nittany Lions, you could make an excellent defensible top 10 of the 10 greatest and leave the school's all-time leading rusher off that list. That's how blessed we have been with talent at that position. You know what? I'm, I'm, when we're done here, I'm going to make my list, and I suspect you are going to be correct. I'm going to throw um, out one more name. I did this in our regular show, but you mentioned it when talking about running backs, Chris. Uh, I'd be remiss in not bringing it up again, and that was – a great Penn State player, Gary Brown, passed away this week. And I talked about it a little bit on our regular show. He was out of Williamsport, which is sort of kind of my neck of the woods. So I remember him as a high school player and a legend at that point. He came to Penn State, and what I thought was great about him was when they needed a running back, he played running back. When they needed defensive back, he was a defensive back. And this is a guy I think he gets forgotten. He had a couple thousand yard uh, rushing seasons in the NFL. Yeah. And he passed away way too young at the age of 52 this past week. So if you're talking running backs, Gary Brown, especially this week, is at least worth a mention. 
All right, Chris, that is it for the show. Again, I had an absolute great time. Thank you all for listening, and be sure you join us next week on the obligatory Keystone Crossover Show. Keystone Sports Network.